So I want to talk for a few minutes about truck drivers. Anybody know anything about truck drivers? You know, one of the things that we learned uh, from the pandemic is that truck drivers are essential frontline workers that oftentimes go unnoticed and work for long hours and long days and weeks on end. But they, they're not by themselves. There are many essential workers and frontline workers that we discovered during the pandemic. People in the healthcare profession, people in grocery stores and restaurants, agricultural workers, transportation workers, subway of um, engineers, bus drivers, um, police persons, emergency workers, fire persons, a huge list of essential and frontline workers. They work oftentimes at risk to themselves. They place the common good over their own self-interest. They're driven by a, we're in this thing together. Y'all remember those, we're in this thing together commercials during the pandemic? rather than what's in it for me. I, I think essential and frontline workers are important. They, their value to us is immense, yet they're often not the best paid workers, you know, like truck drivers. People think truck drivers make a lot of money, but everything has to be right. Everything has to be lined up. Sometimes things are not moving. Sometimes trucks break down. Sometimes um, the company that they work for uh, loses their account. So sometimes people, like to lift that profession up, but a lot of times this is hard work. I was on my way here and saw two trucks broken down. And you know how cold it was this morning? Truck drivers, essential workers, hard work. Imagine though, with me, if you will, a group of humble, ordinary truck drivers with everyday problems, just like you and me, who have the same hopes and dreams for their children like any other person, they have the same concerns and same hopes for security and safety in their homes. They, they want gainful employment, upward mobility. They want equal pay for equal work. They, they want satisfaction on the job. They just want to be happy, just like you and me. Ordinary people, truck drivers, other essential and frontline workers. They want to live a comfortable and affordable life. They want to preserve their health and they want to retire strong and enjoy family, friends, and hobbies. Anybody like that? I want to retire strong and enjoy family, friends, and hobbies. Just, just ordinary, ordinary people, truck drivers. Well, these truck drivers in particular had just finished their first break on the graveyard shift, walking out of a pilot travel center truck stop. Y'all ever seen pilot center travel truck stops? They're in good spirits, even though the very people that they serve are at home sleeping and resting and enjoying family and friends and home and hobbies and movies and other forms of entertainment. They're, they're out there at their post. And even though these truck drivers come from different backgrounds and perspectives, they believe that their faith in God is essential and is what keeps them committed to one another and to their job. Their faith in God helps them to navigate and overcome the challenges of their job, and it helps them to deal with the division and intolerance and polarization and demonization in public discourse, which amounts to phrases like, I'm right, you're wrong, and so excuse my language, so go to hell. Y'all have heard that? We live in that kind of world, but these truck drivers were men and women of faith. They just believe that a faith in God, ordinary people, humble, who just believe that faith in God helps us to navigate all that stuff. And the other thing they 
They serve not at their own interest. They serve at the interest of others. Just like, just like you and me, ordinary people who are humble, who serve at the interest of others and have a faith in God. Now, amid societal ills, these truck drivers saw themselves as ordinary, as I've said, and they just trusted God to make sense of the world. They were not trying to be influencers. They were not interested in TikTok videos or the latest hashtag. Now, although they believe that it is important to stay connected because they're out on the road a lot, so it's important to stay connected, but they're not interested in how many friends they have or keeping up with the Kardashians. They were not the type to match their lives on reality TV, find out what's happening with Harry and Meghan, the Hills, the real world, the Bachelor franchise, the Real Housewives franchise, Court TV, say yes to the dress. They weren't interested in any, any of that. They were just trying to be their best, like ordinary, just like me, just trying to be their best self. Humble, ordinary servants in their service field. Then something happened that changed everything. During an ordinary graveyard shift, a great light shone around them. You know, the experience could have been made for um, a, 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 a major extraterrestrial sighting. Could have been just a coincidence, could have been just a strike of luck, but because there were people of faith, this great light that shone around them, they knew it was a, it was a God happening because they were a people of faith. They knew that it was a God happening because they were people of their ordinary, humble, faithful, and they knew that this thing that had just happened was God. In the same manner in our text, imagine the shepherds, humble, ordinary Joe, navigating the disturbing realities in their day, like ours. They lived with incredible religious, political, cultural, and civic tension and division, which in that time left the Jewish people groping for a God that they no longer recognized. Sound familiar? There was division and despair and discontentment, disappointment and anxiety in the air. And as a collective community, they could not hear or see God like they used to. Society was run based on the standards of the Roman government, where the voice of God was almost inaudible beneath lies and half-truths. But here they are, shepherds in the field. This setting happened at the beginning of the New Testament after 400 years between the Old and New Testament, where God had paused communicating with people through prophets. As the people waited in this time, that's why we call this Advent the time of anticipation. As they waited to hear from God, the revelation of God's voice was placed in the hands of ordinary people to reveal hope and peace and joy found in God through Christ. In our text, in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, God used Zechariah and Elizabeth just older people. God used Mary, a teenage girl. God used Joseph, a working class man. God used shepherds, essential and frontline workers 
God used unnamed angels. God used a baby born in a manger. God used, at the beginning of the New Testament, ordinary people. Jesus himself was born homeless. Without hesitation, these ordinary people offered themselves to reveal the presence and the work of God. Ordinary people. So now I want to focus on the truck drivers. Oh, no, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I want to focus on the shepherds. They were essential workers in their ordinary work setting. So verse 8 says, it was in the middle of an ordinary graveyard shift, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. While their first response, I'm sure, was great fear, they did not run away. Maybe they couldn't because they were paralyzed, but they didn't. Maybe they didn't have time before the angel spoke. The scripture says they were terrified. Maybe they were frozen, as I said. An unnamed angel quickly admonished them and said, do not be afraid. Stop in your tracks. Do not be afraid. I've come to tell you good. No, she said, he said, I've come to tell you great news. And I need you to focus and to listen. Oh, that God would say to us, I've come to tell you great news. I need you to focus. I need you to listen. Isn't that what God is doing with us every time we gather? I've come to tell you something. So does anybody sleep in here? It's time to wake up. Focus. Listen. Born this day in the city of David, a, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Born this day. Not yesterday. Not tomorrow, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who was the Messiah of the world, the Lord. Now, when Scripture takes time to capture a moment by using words like this day or today, it signifies a moment when God steps into our lives to change things forever. Like when Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, after talking about the Spirit of the Lord has appointed and anointed me, he said, today the scriptures have been fulfilled. At that moment, that which they thought was tantamount to their faith, it shifted. Jesus said, I now am the anointed one. Today, the scriptures, all of what you used to hold on to, as he's saying to these Jewish people, all of these things are no more. Today, I am the fulfillment of the scriptures. Luke 5, 26 tells a story when Jesus healed the paralyzed man and the people were filled with awe and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. Today, our eyes have seen what we've never seen before. Today, and somehow or another, what they saw changed them. In Luke 19 and 9, Jesus says to Zechariah, uh, Zacchaeus, I'm sorry, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Today, salvation has come to your house. And lastly, in Luke 23 and 43, Jesus says to the thief at, to the, thief at the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. So there's something about this today. The Psalm of David says, this is the day that the Lord has made. He's signifying along with Luke that God steps into our lives every single day. A friend of mine's mom used to say to me all the time, look for God's miracle today, baby. 
Every day, God steps into our lives. Every day, God wants to change us. Every day, God wants to transform us. Every day, God wants to do a new thing. It's like angels say to us when our eyes pop open, behold, I do a new thing every day. And so these angels are saying to the shepherds, this day, the day of the birth of Christ, on this day rest, the turning point of all ages. On this day, all of your yesterdays are done away with. And a new reality is being established. What would life be if we can let all of our yesterdays go? What would life be if we can let all of the things that people did to us yesterday go? What would life be like if we could let go of everything that caused us angst in our yesteryears? The disappointments, the failures, the mess ups, the mishaps, the things people said to you, the things people didn't say to you. What if today was the day that we can let all that stuff go and start new. Could today be that day for you? I want that day to be that day for me. Wherever there is something in my spirit, I want to be like David when David says, search me, O Lord. If there's anything in me that is not pleasing in your sight, take it away. I want that to be today. Whatever it is, show me. Today is the day that God steps into our lives to change things forever. Could that be your day? Could today be a defining moment for you? Os Hillman says that there have been defining moments in the lives of human beings that changed everything forever. He says these defining moments often set the course for the balance of our lives. The secret of a great life is if a person has the ability to discern their defining moment. The angels spoke to the shepherds, and that was a defining moment, not only for the shepherds, but for all of humanity. The birth of Christ, the cosmic shift in the universe had happened, and these humble and ordinary shepherds were given a front seat view. They were told where to find Jesus and how to recognize him, he will be wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. The humble birth and presence of Christ matched the humility of the servants. You see, God comes to us based on where we are. And I like that. God finds me where I am. And he shows me who he is so that I can understand based on where I am. And then he elevates me to show us that God loves us that much that he comes down to us. You know what that does to a small child when you get on your knees to talk to a small child? The child feels deep love and value. And that's what God did when he came to us through the birth of Christ to show us just how far he would go to model love. The demonstration of God's love is immeasurable. But if the declaration by the angels was not enough, the scripture then says, suddenly an army of angels began to sing. The text says suddenly, which means there was no space between the message and the worship. 
So as soon as the words came out of the angel's mouth that this is the Savior, they began to sing. A host of angels began to sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those he favors. The worship scene bridges heaven and earth that can only be attributed to God. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could have that kind of worship in our own experience? That we could know that when we come to worship, there's something happening in heaven that's worshiping with us. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be something as when you are at home and you're singing a hymn or a praise song, you also hear in your mind and in your spirit angels singing with you. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be something if you were in your car and you could feel angels carrying you just because you're giving God praise, because you're praying, because you're acknowledging how worthy God is of worship. When worship is loosed in heaven, it's supposed to be loosed on earth. When worship is loosed on earth, it's supposed to be experienced in heaven. I think Jesus sets this up when he says in his prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If we can get out of God's way, I think we can have more of these experiences. It's just getting out of God's way. When I'm able to focus on God and not myself, when every conversation that I have with God is not about what I need, but rather about how amazing God is. He is a wonder. The heavenly host takes center stage, which upstages the image of the Roman army, which has declared power over every family and community. Here the angels are reclaiming the revelation of God's authority and splendor, meaning that God deserves our praise just for who God is. Sometimes I think we place institutions and traditions and systems before God. Many of us have been asking, how do we get the church back to what it was before the pandemic? How do we get people to come back to church? How do we get people to give like they used to give? How do we get people, yes, D, to volunteer like they used to volunteer? How do we do that? Well, maybe the question really is, how do we get people back to God? Lord, show me. How do I get back? Because sometimes I stray. How do I get back so that you are center stage in my life? Oh, yeah, I've got issues. Lord, have mercy. But maybe if I stop focusing on my issues and start focusing on the wonder of God, maybe those issues will take care of themselves. In closing the story, after the shepherds encounter the angels, they decide to go to Bethlehem. They see the baby Jesus, and they tell everyone what happened while they were watching the sheep in their fields. They were so overwhelmed, they cannot stop telling the story. They could not keep it to themselves. They became the first evangelists to tell about the birth of Christ. You know, we had a workshop on evangelism at the regional assembly. And we had to confess that we hadn't talked about evangelism for a long time. How can, I mean, really help me. How can we claim to be who we say we are and not tell the story? 
time and time and time and time and time again. The story not only about the birth of Christ, what about what Christ has done for us? Just to say that he found me at a real difficult place in my life and he changed my life. Or even to say I've been a believer all of my life and he's never failed me yet. What about to say that I used to have habits and I still got some habits, but he forgives me and he reminds me of, of how much he loves me. What, what about telling people that story? And this is what the shepherds do. They tell the story because they cannot keep it to themselves. They were jumping for joy. See, I think the story about the birth of Christ signifies that God is changing God's communication approach with humanity. It used to be the prophets were supposed to tell the story. But in the shift, ordinary people are supposed to tell the story. You and me, as exemplified by Mary and Joseph and Anna and Zechariah and the shepherds and the unnamed angels, and just the lowliness of the birth of Christ himself. They were all ordinary, regular, humble, and faithful people, just like you and me. And they were given the story to tell over and over and over again. So what do we learn about these shepherds? I mean, what, what can we learn, rather, about their ability and passion to tell the story. When the angels first encountered the shepherds, scripture says they were terrified and they probably wanted to run away. The angel commanded that they would slow their roll because it was a day that God wanted to tell them something. I think every time I come into worship, God is saying to Denise, be still. I'm getting ready to tell you something. Don't miss it. There used to be a song that said, whatever you're doing, Lord, please don't do it without me. I don't want to miss, I don't want my epitaph say to say missed opportunities. I wanted to say faithful and obedient servant. And so I try more often these days to slow down. A podcaster by the name of Kathy Morenci gave me this acronym for slow. She said, stop, listen, obey, and worship. And as I was reading the story about the shepherds, I said, oh, wow, look at this. I see that right here in this text. Stop, listen, obey, and worship. And so let me tell you how I saw it. So when the angels encountered them, the angels said, stop. Don't move. Listen, God has something to say to you. Sometimes we have to stop and just look around to see where God is working. See what God is doing. See what God is saying. Stop moving through life so fast. I sometimes move through life like a hungry person and, and eat and forget what I just ate. Because I eat life up. Moving from one thing to the next. I walk fast. I talk fast, you may have noticed. I do everything fast. So sometimes when I'm walking, I say, I have to say to myself, Denise, slow down. Why are you walking so fast? Because if you move too fast, you miss what's happening in the moment. 
So the angels are saying, be present, stop, and talk to God, and face some things in your life. You know, um, um, Dr. Barber says that we need to face things. He said that it does not mean that everything you face will change, but he says that nothing will change unless you face it. And the only way that I can face things is if I stop and face them. And then when God begins to speak, I need to learn to listen. The shepherds listened to the message that the angels had for them. I want to admit to you again, I will stop and talk to God. The problem is I talk to God. I'm not listening. What would it have been like if the, the, the shepherds had to stop and they had to start talking about you? You, you? you see this? You see these angels? How many of them is it? What do you think they want? What do you think we should do? What should happen now? Where should we go? What should we do? I don't like that. I think I'm going home. But they listen. I mean, is that just me? But they listened. Listen to God. And be still in your house. Denise, listen to God. And be still in your mouth. Be still in your mind. Be still in your heart. I went to a Trappist monk's um, abbey uh, a year ago, and he said the hardest thing is not silence in your mouth. The hardest thing is silence in your heart. He says, what good is it if I don't say what I feel in angst to my brother if I feel it in my heart? We have to learn, he said, to silence our hearts. The other thing that is important about slow is obey. I mean, I can't stop to see what God is doing and see where God is working. I can't listen and say, got it, and not obey. And actually, what this text is saying, obey immediately. Delaying is disobedience. And I promise you, the more I delay, the more I talk myself out of doing something that sometimes I know God told me to do. I mean, have anybody ever done that? You talk yourself out of what you know God has instructed you to do. And you just pray that it comes around again. Thank God he's forgiving and he will come around again. So I want to be able to be like these shepherds and obey immediately. Help somebody immediately. Call somebody immediately. Serve somebody immediately. Volunteer immediately. Say yes, discerning, then immediately. Don't wait until something beats you to it. I don't know about you, but I've had people on my mind and in my heart, and I didn't call. And then it was too late. So I'm learning now to obey immediately. And then the next one is to worship, that God would speak to me. That God would want to use me as his daughter, as this ordinary, humble, faithful person. That God would want to use me in spite of all of my issues, in spite of all of my troubles, in spite of all of my shortcomings, that God would want to use me. That is a reason to worship. And that God says, don't fear. 
I'll give you everything you need. Trust me. Look at me. Don't look at them. Look at me, God says. When I worship, everything seems easier. When I worship, everything seems brighter. When I worship, everything seems possible. And the other W is to be a witness, to tell somebody what God has done and what God is doing in your life. And I don't care how long ago it was, but when you start telling the story again, it'll feel like it was today. Tell the story of what God has done in your life. Now, you cannot tell the story about the birth of Jesus as if you're going to Bethlehem like the shepherds. But guess what? The Christ is being birthed in our lives again and again and again. These defining moments are happening over and over and over again. God is speaking all the time. The revelation of God is before us when our eyes pop open in the morning. And it's just about telling somebody. And God calls us as ordinary, faithful, humble people, just like truck drivers, just like shepherds, to stop, notice God, to listen, to obey, to worship, and to witness. And so you might ask me, well, so what was the bright light with the truck drivers? I don't know, no, okay. The bright light could have been the lights of an 18-wheeler trying to get their attention. The bright light could have been just a little flashlight of some small child that needed help. The bright light could have been a small voice in their hearts saying, look over there, there's somebody that needs you. Howard Thurman, who is an amazing uh, theologian and who has gone on to glory decades ago, wrote a poem called Christmas is Waiting to be Born. Christmas is Waiting to be Born. And so when I think about this poem, when I think about those truck drivers, I put them together like this. Thurman says, where refugees seek deliverance that never comes, maybe the truck driver saw a refugee family who needed a warm place to rest, and they gave them a place to stay. Christmas is waiting to be born. Thurman says, the heart consumes itself if it would live. Maybe they saw a young man on the verge of dying by suicide, and they rescued him. Ordinary people. Christmas is waiting to be born, Thurman says, when little children age before their time. Maybe the truck drivers saw a child being abused and called the police and pulled the child from the clutches of, a, of unhealthy parents. Christmas is waiting to be born. Life wears down the edges of the mind. Maybe they encountered another truck driver who was getting ready to drive drunk and they stayed with him and helped him to sober up before, uh, so that they can call somebody to pick him up. So maybe, Christmas was being born in them again and again and again, where an old man sits with his mind grown cold. And maybe they saw an old man who had been at the truck stop time and time and time again, unable to find his way home. And they took him home. Christmas is waiting to be born when bones and sinew and blood cells go slowly down to death. Maybe they saw a young woman with a scarf wrapped around her head with tear-tired eyes, 
because she had to tell her family that the chemotherapy was no longer working. And they sat with her while she talked with them on the phone. Ordinary. So how is God calling Christmas to be born again in you? How is God calling us as ordinary people, just like the truck driver, just like the shepherds? How is God calling Christmas to be born again in us? We have to ask ourselves that question and trust that God will speak. The light of God's glory, the splendor of God's presence will shine upon you and you will know just like the shepherds did, how Christmas can be born again in you. Each of us are destined to be significant, to leave a mark on the world by making a positive contribution to the world around us. You were destined to be important. Even as we are ordinary, we know that we serve an extraordinary God, right? We're destined to be important even as humble, ordinary people. Guess why? Because God's favorite people to use are us. Let Christmas be born in you again and again and again. Thanks be to God.